Welcome to Chatsunami. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Chatsunami. I'm Satsunami, and joining me today is a very good friend of mine. You may have heard his voice on the channel before. We have done a couple of quite memorable co-streams together. From Warzone to Pokemon Emerald, I'm of course talking about my very good friend Andrew, you may also know as Greenshield95 on Twitch. Hello Andrew, welcome to Chatsunami. Hi everyone, uh, thanks for having me Satsunami. It's always good to be on Twitch and to make my podcast debut. Glad you pointed that out, that this is your first episode. <laughs> it has been long overdue to have you on Chatsunami. I have to admit, but no, thank you so much for agreeing to come on and not no being scared off. <laughs> from the other <laughs> no, ones. I'm, I'm, looking, I'm looking forward to it. So yeah, as you can see by the title today, we are both going to be talking about a very special, that would be right to say, wouldn't it? A very special show to both you and I. I think so. I, yeah, it's 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 something we both bonded over very early on in our our friendship, and something that we we reference uh, still. I must be eight eight years on. It's a bad habit that we're trying to kick. I swear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for, first the star. Yeah, first the Star Wars references, and then yeah, the Simpsons references will come next. That's for sure. <laughs> but yeah, today. We are going to be talking about the very first part of the, well, I would say, widely acclaimed show. The so we're talking cult classic, cult classic. Yeah, that that's probably a better word for it. Yeah, today we're going to be talking about the show Star Wars: The Clone Wars, and this just time, not 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 the just Clone Wars. Oh, is it is it just Clone Wars? That's that's how that's how you distinguish between the two because the uh, new one is the Clone Wars and this one is just Star Wars Clone Wars and then sometimes it's done as bracket two thousand three. Uh, well, it's the Clone Wars to our hearts because it's infinitely <laughs> cool because it's infinitely cooler than the other. I won't I, I won't I won't correct I won't correct you again if you refer to it as the Clone Wars because that's yeah. how I often refer to it as well. But I thought just oh, yeah. just before oh, I, yeah, I, yeah. I thought I'd get there before the commenters do. Oh yeah, absolutely. They'll be hounding us in the comments. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. so, yeah, as you can see, we are going to be talking about the Clone, War or Clone Wars 2003. <laughs> um, we're going to be, specifically, we're going to be focusing on the first part of it. So, this is a series made by a quite famous animator, Gendy Tarakovsky, who you may have heard the name attached to other Cartoon Network titles, such as Dexter's Laboratory, and most famously, uh, Samurai Jack, which I know you have a long history with yeah as as, as long as um my history with this the show we're talking about today um i've i watched samurai jack for throughout my childhood and and i absolutely loved it loved the creator loved his animation style and so i'm very i was very excited to work on uh, on a project like this no it's a very good tv show though so before we get into really the meat about kind of dissecting this amazing show how did you get into the show initially when you were younger? um as i'm sure many as i'm sure many did at the time um i i was i was a child um and i found it on cartoon network i don't think i was the biggest star wars fan prior to this i had watched certainly bits of the original but my main kind of experience with Star Wars was the was the Phantom Menace and then Attack of the Clones. Being growing up in that time, um, 
though that I didn't know any difference. I didn't know that that there was a uh, a level of disdain towards those properties. I thought there was just awesome Star Wars, cool Star Wars fighting kind of stuff, and mm -hmm. the the originals were a lot slower and a lot, lot less fights. And so to uh, young young uh, Green Shield, I viewed them very differently, and I thought I thought that the originals, the prequels, were were much more interesting. Mm -hmm. And so when there was a cartoon series that kind of explore that even further i was very excited and i tuned in regularly on cartoon network to watch it i think i was in the same boat because i i think it was probably when i got into star wars i got into the original films and then of course when we were younger the prequels had come out and that was kind mm -hmm. of a domino effect of you know watching the kind of cool lightsaber fights and things like that and the phantom menace then going to the not as widely regarded i think even back then for kids like the clone wars or sorry attack of the clones wasn't as popular a film um, again i i i wasn't aware of that at the time i thought yeah. everyone loved it and i adored attack of the clones mm -hmm. um at, at that age so when I, I was i remember being very surprised when i heard uh years later the uh the hate hatred towards the prequels and i was like what do you mean i thought everyone loved them <laughs> no i was just gonna say i have to admit when i was younger like there was always kind of a niggling feeling in the back of my head when i watched attack of the clones thinking this isn't as good as the other ones like i still enjoyed it but i remember getting it on dvd and then just skipping to the action scenes so I would skip to like the Django <laughs> Fett scene, skip over the love dialogue when I was younger, then go to, you know, Geonosis and the clones attacking and everything. And then I'd be like, what a great film. <laughs> so I would skip out the sand I mean, talk. I would skip out the, <laughs> all the Tatooine stuff. I, I, I did as a child remember being quite mm -hmm. bored during certain scenes. Like even, I remember even during the, like the, the assassin scene at the very start of Attack mm -hmm. of the Clones, which is arguably one of the more interesting scenes in it. Um, I remember being really bored at the time watching that, but yeah. just the whole, the whole thing with with like the clone army and the uh, and like the the amount of Jedi's that are fighting, and you had Yoda doing flips, which oh, looking yeah. looking back, you're a bit <laughs> like, oh, it it can't, it it does it does like make Yoda seem a bit different to how he was traditionally portrayed, and and so there's there's some criticism there, but at the time, I only had I, I had. Uh, so not roast into glasses because that's suggested nostalgia, but at the, at the time I, I thought it was incredible, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, and I think uh, that that's what leads us on to the the cartoon series when it came out. Yeah, because we were just talking about this um, before we came on, where it was about three years, wasn't it, between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith? Yeah, I I hadn't realized until just today, or I must have done at some point, that there was a three year gap between the second and third film and the prequels. And so the only real content you were getting in those three years was the this Clone Wars cartoon series, mm -hmm. which then introduces you to characters who you would then meet in the next film, like mm -hmm. uh, like a certain villain that we'll inevitably talk about in uh, later on in this episode. And yeah, there was that kind of vacuum between waiting for the, you know, like just getting over Attack of the Clones and then there was like loads of games, there was comics, there was like books and things, but nothing really stood out more than what we're going to talk about just now. What ended up following was this, I don't think anyone really expected it, but it was just this out of the blue cartoon, wasn't it? from Cartoon Network and it initially began as like about three to five minutes so it was a, like a continuous story wasn't it 
It was it it was and it wasn't. There were certain aspects mm -hmm. of it being episodic, and there were certain mm -hmm. serialized aspects of it. But yeah, so it 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 did kind of jump from one short segment to the other, but would sometimes return to a segment that it addressed previously. And it would, and I I remember it being very bizarre at the time, where you just mm -hmm. get kind of snippets of a show mm -hmm. on Cartoon Network. And so it was, it's, it's, it was a very interesting concept, one that like they haven't really explored again um, for cartoons, as far as I'm aware, where they have these small little snippets in between other shows. I remember when I was younger, and this was the time I was still in high school, and I remember trying to run back home to try and catch these episodes, because they kind of came on like, yeah, they would just like come on and then they would be off like instantly. So you would get like this really flashy lightsaber battle or you catch the tail end of it and then that was it gone mm -hmm. from existence. I don't think it was until like a couple of years later where I managed to like sit down and watch it from start to finish which mm -hmm. yeah was an absolute lifesaver. <laughs> Getting the DVDs and just managing to sit through it. I don't believe I ever got the uh, like any physical media for it um, so I would just rely on its its syndication on Cartoon mm -hmm. Network but there were certain episodes I remember watching over and over and over again. The very last episode in particular was one that I, I watched uh, a lot of. But then many years later, I discovered that the entirety of it uh, was posted on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to watch it through that means. And the recent announcement that the entire series is going to be put onto Disney Plus, that is hopefully going to encourage a new generation of, of fans and old fans as well to, to watch it on there and rediscover it. And I do hope that it kind of sparks a new interest in it because it is, it's a great series and it does deserve like a lot of love. But before we go into like dissecting, you know, like the bits we like, the bits we think maybe didn't work as well. Andrew, do you want to give like a brief overview of what this first part especially is about? So the first half, it it covers a lot of different topics. We're, we're looking at the the rise of the clone troopers, the these clones that were made in the second Star Wars movie that we were introduced to then. Mm -hmm. um, what they are being utilized for by the Republic. And then we're exploring the adventures of both Anakin Skywalker and Obi-Wan, who in between these films, Anakin is still a Padawan. And so is uh, trying to earn his way to being a Jedi Knight and exploring various different themes uh, of how he's going to earn passageway to being a Jedi Knight. Uh, and then we're also exploring lots of different characters throughout. So we're, we're meeting new Jedi and, and fighting off the Separatist threat. And would you say that this fleshes out the story that was started in Attack of the Clones? Uh, I think so. I think it, it, it dives a lot deeper into what the clones were created for, what they can do, and military tactics sort of surrounding the Republic and the Separatist armies. Um, something that I don't think any of the movies delves that deeply into. And it should. It, we should also note the elephant in the room of the Clone Wars, the oh, yeah. CGI cartoon, which I think we are, we are both fans of. I have oh, yeah. not complete. I have not completely finished it. I know you have. Mm -hmm. There's very different themes in that, but um, this one I think delves much more into an aesthetic and and establishing a world as opposed to the much more dialogue and story driven um, later series. 
Oh yeah, because for the 2008 Clone Wars, the CGI one, it's definitely a lot more slower in some regards, and it's a lot more, and this is going to sound weird considering it's like a space fantasy uh, series, but it does kind of ground itself in a bit of reality when it comes to like warfare and, sorry, I think I've described this um, like this to you before, but it's like trying to explain war to children. It can be enjoyed, you know, by adults and kids anyway, but I do think it does an amazing job at breaking down and describing, you know, like, from, you know, all, all the cheery subjects you want to teach kids from war crimes to tactics, you know, that kind of thing. Whereas for this one, it's got, like, a heavy emphasis on the action. And there's actually nothing really wrong with that. It's like, I think it's something that the series probably needed at the time, because one of the main criticisms of the prequels was the kind of political dialogue. Probably one day in the future episode we will talk about the 2008 series, but for Mm -hmm. this one, having like three minute episodes where it was just like a heap of action to catch like kids' eyes to be like, oh look, that's Jedi Master Anakin Skywalker (laughs) fighting against this random assassin, you know, like just complete, Mm -hmm. you know, bombarding you with these amazing visuals. And especially for Gendy's art style, it's just beautiful, isn't it? The art style is gorgeous and he really focuses on the choreographed fighting and just lots of little elements like um mm-hmm. for example the clone the clone troopers don't talk to each other as much as they do in the late in the later series yeah. and they more they're more fond of using like hand signals like you might see in a military combat in the middle east or um elsewhere in in, in a more modern setting and it's 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 very interesting how so so many episodes uh, have either little dialogue or I I think there's probably been a few with no dialogue, mm-hmm. which is just incredible when you think of, it's very, very ahead of its time. And it's something that Gendy Tar- Tarakowski has, uh, has done his other properties uh, such as Samurai Jack and, mm-hmm. and more recently with the show Primal where, which is entirely without dialogue and it's takes place in a, um, a kind of caveman setting with, but with dinosaurs. It's almost like, a dark Flintstones. I actually need to check that out. I I, I recommend you do it. If you if you like the Clone Wars, then the two the two shows that I think you should watch are Samurai Jack and Primal. And if you've seen Samurai Jack and you haven't seen this, then likewise you should definitely check out Star Wars Clone Wars. It's funny you should mention that when you're talking about the like the dialogueless episodes because I'm just thinking back to the very first episode and other than you know the very beginning obviously with the intro and I think there's a certain point where it almost becomes like a silent film. So basically the first um, episode kind of focuses on the invasion of Minimalist which is where the for all you Star Wars fans out there, it's where the banking clan comes from. They basically invade and these the episode centres around these art troopers who I'm sure you'll agree as well, Andrew, they are the coolest thing of or second coolest thing of this series. Yeah, I think that the the way they portray the troopers is mm-hmm. so much more interesting than how they delve into it with uh, within both Attack of the Clones mm-hmm. um and also in the original series with the stormtroopers which i know they're they are different the stormtroopers and the clone mm-hmm. troopers but um you get a lot more identity mm-hmm. throughout um this series than you had had seen prior uh, previously with what appears to be faceless men and you, you you establish different ranks with within their within the troopers and 
uh, responsibilities and different jobs that each of them have. There's the sort of heavy, heavy duty ones that hold, has a giant like mini gun and the ones with the snipers and all these different kinds of roles, uh, which I <laughs> wouldn't be able to name, but um, it, it's very identifiable what they do based on their design and the weapons they carry. I do think that is like one of the strengths of the series though, isn't it? Beyond like the design of it, everything the series kind of sets out to do is very creative and iconic. Like for example, there's a whole episode that again has little to no dialogue and it's basically set underwater. I think that you know the one I'm talking about, the Kit Fisto one. Yeah, so the introduction of Kit Fisto who if viewers are not aware he's do you know the this his species um squid man probably (laughs) (laughs) i actually don't know (laughs) he he has he he has like um tentacle things coming out the back of his head he's he's green and he he's a jedi that that can swim underwater um or rather breathe underwater he can everyone can swim underwater yeah um breathe underwater and he fights underwater and he, he has a very unique kind of fighting style based on that that it's essentially like watching someone fly with a lightsaber uh, as he sort of travels through the water and fights off uh, the threat against the Mon Calamari. I, I feel as if the, the series does capitalise on like the environment it sets. So like for example for that one, Kit Fisto uses the force to create like these giant bubbles or should I say death bubbles essentially. <laughs> Oh he, yes, he, yeah. he like he condenses the water mm-hmm. with the force and uses it almost as like a like a cannon. It's yeah, it's very it's very interesting. There's that's one of the the real strengths of the show of mm-hmm. like unique ways of using the force that you don't mm-hmm. see really in any other property. There's an episode where they're set out in an open field and essentially they've just got a giant hole punch, haven't they? The droids. Because <laughs> that's yeah, what I was. I kind of refer to it as like a like a big hammer that, yeah. they, that they had, but but it it is it is quite apt to think of it like almost like a hole punch, yeah. Yeah, because the thing is, it was it's like if you introduce that now, it would kind of be like even in the more realistic Clone Wars uh, CGI series, I think that would probably people would look at it and think, okay, this is a bit weird and far fetched, but for this well, like series, it fits <laughs> like it fits so perfectly though, doesn't it? it, it... It 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 does, and but like one of the things about it is mm-hmm. it it's so it's so ridiculous because it's, oh, it's yeah. so impractical. Mm-hmm. It's a giant hovering like ship that's oh, entire yeah. purpose is to just whack the ground really hard with a metal <laughs> thing, and yeah. like, and it not not only are you taking out your own men with this weapon, mm-hmm. which because it is more they they're taking out more of their own guys than they are the enemy mm-hmm. with this weapon. Oh yeah, but also just a laser would have done just much like better job surely than this like big hammer thing i get the feeling that someone in the separatists probably designed this and they didn't want to hurt his feelings so they were like yeah you know this planet we're not too keen on yeah let, let, let's just test it on that because... <laughs> because... it was definitely it was definitely like um like uh palpatine's like grandson who just like proposed it and they're like we can't say no to him yeah and jimothy <laughs> jimothy uh, palpatine just like look what i drew and he put it on like the fridge but what he didn't realize was that's where all the separatist plans were and they're just like oh, yeah, yeah. All the, all the separatist blueprints go on yeah. the fridge yeah just kind of over the top i mean another episode um going back to the invasion of minimalist is when they literally have oh what is it again it's like they have jousting, jousting? speeders yeah, yeah. I knew you were gonna bring that up. I, I made a note of that when I when I watched mm-hmm. it the other day. That just why in this world where everything is lightsabers and mm-hmm. 
and uh, like laser guns. Why do they have jousting sticks? What 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 purpose are oh, they, it's they using so those for? Cool, though. <laughs> like that's it his... is. And that's the thing, and, yeah. that, and that's what he does. He does mm-hmm. he does aesthetic, mm-hmm. and like it's one hell of an aesthetic. But he it like very if you like stop to think about it, you're just like this is stupid. Yeah, that's there's just so much of this. You think like see if it was in the films or anything else, you would think this is so ridiculous and over the top. Could you imagine in the most recent movies if if they'd introduced something like that, it would get absolutely ripped apart by uh, by the fanboys? Oh, absolutely. But I'm just thinking of like so much, um, <laughs> so much um, stuff that happens like throughout it because it's just basically how bizarre the series is in terms of its designs, its characters, and things. And as you said, if they did that nowadays, it would kind of be like, oh, this is ridiculous. Oh, they're just pandering to the rule of cool. But back then, there was this like huge vacuum, and there wasn't a lot of Star Wars content coming out then. Or there was Star Wars content, but you know, like mm-hmm. this was this was the main one. This was the main series, people beyond the games and things that people were latching onto. And uh, yeah, I, I think it left us uh, much like the giant hole punch. It left its impression on us. <laughs> it, with, within within that episode as well, we are introduced to what Mace Windu, uh, played by Samuel Jackson in the uh, live action movies, but um, voiced by a different actor actor in in the show. Uh, what he can do. You you kind of got a feeling that he was a, quite a senior member of the Jedi Council and that mm-hmm. he was he was very strong, but you didn't really get to see that much of his, of what he could do. Mm-hmm. In in this episode, we are introduced to to him, and he develops some sort of forest based martial arts where he's essentially punching the droids at rapid mm-hmm. speeds, supposedly using the force while he's doing it. So he's just completely dismantling these these droids by like punching and like karate chopping mm-hmm. them. I, I still maintain to this day that that wasn't the force. He literally just used his bare hands and he just bet them up. <laughs> He's that much of a force badass that he just bet them up. One of my actually, one of my favourite kills from that episode is when he goes up to one of the droids and he puts his hand out to use the force and all of the screws come out. Um, of the like, so he's face to face with a super battle droid, this big hulking machine. He puts his hand out, all the screws come out of him, and it just like collapses into a heap. And then he uses that as projectiles to like destroy all the other droids behind him. It's just fantastic, and I could mm-hmm. fanboy about this for hours, but <laughs> like just a single episode to be like, oh, this is amazing. Yeah, that that um, that. that... That episode in particular is absolutely fantastic, and uh, if if anyone wants to talk to me more about it, then yeah. you can feel free to. Like I, I too could talk about that for ages. What I also uh, um, was introduced to in the series, and you, you correct me if if you know of a different time when this has been introduced, but the creation of the lightsaber that uh-huh. we see yeah. a lightsaber being created, we see the crystal, the the uh, force crystal, going inside. I don't think prior to this that I even knew there was a crystal inside of a lightsaber. Well, see, this is kind of... Technically, no, there wasn't. Unless it's been, like, mentioned in a book or things, but we're not going to count that, Mm -hmm. you know, like, outside of the media. But there technically is, apparently, a deleted scene where, in Return of the Jedi, Luke's building his new lightsaber. And I always remember watching the video for when that was introduced, and it's literally just him, like, screwing in the parts of his lightsaber. And see the fanboys watching it, they were going, absolutely. Honestly, it, it was like, you know when you go to, like, a football stadium... 
and one of the teams have yeah. won and they're just going mental. That's what it was like. They're like, oh my god, he's building his lightsaber. And you're like, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> just just calm down, guys, calm down. It's just a lightsaber. But yeah, going back to your point, yeah, I, I think that is the first time you see like a visual representation of that and the idea of the crystals. Because it's not in... No, I, I don't think it is in any of the other films. I don't think any film actually discusses the creation of a lightsaber i think mm. i think it only gets discussed in both this and in the um the clone wars um, yeah. 2008 i'm sure it's mentioned in the star wars comics in the in the in the books yeah and whatnot probably. but but the encyclopedia in, <laughs> in in actual like physical media in or rather in um in film and television i think mm. the the only the only time it's mentioned is in these two series mm-hmm. uh, which is it, it's it's incredible no, you're definitely mm-hmm. right. And that is cool that they kind of... Because it's weird, do you think because there's so much emphasis on action that that's all it's going to be? And don't get me wrong, like 90% of this is like cool, over-the-top action. But there are like kind of in-between episodes. Like as I said, there's the one with Kit Fisto where, you know, it's like a one-off. He just goes down to save Mon Calamari from, um, I can't even remember, like what, like evil shrimp people? <laughs> Yeah, this the squid, the squid guys who I yeah. forget, I forgot the name for. I think it was the first time I was introduced to them as well. Yeah, I mean, I do remember them. I, I vaguely remember seeing them pop up. But yeah, like there's that episode, and then there's the episode you're talking about. In fact, I think that might have been two episodes, but I could be wrong. Probably two episodes back to back, but it's the episode where you see Jedi making their lightsabers and Yoda coming to save them, and then the majority yeah. of it's focused on the invasion of the Republic um, on this world and the kind of subplot about Dooku hiding this assassin to go hunt down Anakin. And the the, the assassin the assassin in question is Asajj Ventress, mm-hmm. who those who have watched the 2008 Clone Wars will be very familiar with Asajj Ventress, but this was our introduction to her mm-hmm. uh, in the 2003 Clone Wars series. She isn't as well developed Mm-hmm. in this as she later is in the other series and she isn't in it as long either she's only in it mm-hmm. for a couple of segments mm-hmm. but uh, you get you get a lot of the basic or other fundamentals of what the character is and what she will still be in the later season what is worth noting as well is that this is no longer considered to be canon i don't believe uh... i think <laughs> i i i think um Disney, when they when they acquired uh, Lucasfilm, mm-hmm. they they drew, drew the line as to what was to be maintained as canon and what wasn't. And unfortunately, Star Wars: Clone Wars 2003 series didn't make the cut. And mm-hmm. so, a lot of what we're seeing uh, is it maintains to be my head canon, but is not official uh, canon within the Star Wars universe. I think it's probably the Harley Quinn effect, doesn't it? Where it's a character that's been introduced in something like another show, and it's like the character themselves have become so popular that they've just taken them and then put them into the official canon. Mm-hmm. That's, I... that's quite possible. It's quite possible. It's also quite likely that George Lucas was such a fan of uh, various concepts and characters that he wanted it to be carried over into the new series when when yeah. the new uh, Clone Wars series in came fact, into being. Yeah, it's, she was like concept art for another character, I'm sure, and they kept her in as this other character. And I do like the fact that with this series, although there's not much development, I mean, I think this is probably a good time for us to talk about the characters, because the, I don't know, I feel as if the villains by far are better than the heroes in this case, with the exception of like a couple of noticeable examples. 
So for example, mm. for the heroes, for the heroes, I feel as if like Mace Windu, Kit Fisto, the clones especially, they're all like shining examples of characters that kind of stick in your mind because they do like so many amazing things, like from the art. I think I think I think, I think Obi Obi Wan deserves a, a spot there because they oh, do yeah. some very interesting mm. stuff. They do some very interesting stuff with Obi Wan in particular. This is a very small thing, but mm. for much of the the show. When, especially mm-hmm. when he's um, in the battle scene, he's wearing the armor that the clone troopers also wear, which mm-hmm. kind of establishes it as a more like united, unifying kind of mm-hmm. uniform. I always um, thought that was so cool when I watched it. Though. Yes, <laughs> his 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 look when he's wearing he's got the mm-hmm. cape and the and the yeah. clone trooper outfit and the lightsaber. It mm-hmm. it looks really cool, and mm-hmm. it's it's something that I don't think gets explored again in other properties but it's yeah. it's such a it, I, i'm gonna say this word a lot and i have already said this word a lot but the aesthetic is just unbelievable with what they do i think gendy gendy um was given the property to work with and i think he went flying with it he just he went full full on in, into the, the property and really really sort of took a big bite out of what he what he could get from uh from star wars i actually think that's what um george lucas said behind the scenes he said that he wanted something similar to anime for star wars during that time and I think that's kind of what inspired him to go to Gendy to you know to create like this kind of because obviously it's not anime anime but it is very anime like West Western Western inspired uh, rather uh, anime inspired Western cartoon mm-hmm. and it's the, the as you were saying to sorry I'm gonna borrow this word from you but the aesthetic of it is just such a distinctive one like it's something that as soon as you see the characters the way they fight you know it's just Clone Wars 2003 it's just that show and you immediately pick it up and think this is amazing but yeah sorry going back to the characters quickly yeah the only character I feel as if isn't as good except for his fight with Ventress as Anakin. I feel as if he is just... I, I don't know if it's just they didn't know what to do with him, or they thought, you know, just keep him like a whiny Padawan. He's very different in this property than he is in the later series. They they keep him... I think he's a lot more like the movies in this than he is in the newer series, but... I do think that there is a lot lacking with his character mm-hmm. um, in this series and, and the development of him. Mm-hmm. But they, they try to show his descent um, from being a typical pa- like Padawan him to his descent towards the dark side mm-hmm. to try and make it more apparent when he cha- when he switches over in the mm-hmm. third prequel movie. Because this does act, as we've already said, this acts as a bridging property between the two. And so lots of the events in this show are supposed to connect the prior movie to the next one. And there's lots of little aspects of that, which mm-hmm. we'll delve into at a later point. Uh, one more kind of thing just about, don't worry, I'll, I'll hop off the hating Anakin train for a second. <laughs> or not hating, but just <laughs> mildly annoyed. But there's one like standout moment in the series, and as I was saying, that's when he gets lured to this, I was about to say island, it's not an island. <laughs> yeah, it's lured to this, yeah, this... This, like, tropical um, planet, I think it's actually meant to be the same, and I could be wrong on this again, but is it not, like, Yavin 4, or the moon of Yavin 4, the same place that the original trilogy takes place, at least in the fourth one, where it's, like, the rebel base there? I think it's meant to be, like, if it's not the same planet, then I think it's meant to be a similar design. 
I can't, uh, I can't, I can't say I can, I can remember it, but well enough just to say. Yeah, this is another fact-checking um, edit. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm sure it's something like that, but yeah, like there's a huge fight scene between, although it does start quite humorously, where he lands on the planet and then a couple of clone troopers follow him to help him, and then he turns around and he's like, something's not right, and they're all gone because she's just murdered him and blown them up and everything. One thing that they they do in this is, in the original movies, the phrase that gets said all the time is, I have a bad feeling about this. Oh, yeah. And it's it's supposedly one of the most used lines in all of Hollywood. In all Hollywood movies, that line is one of the most utilized lines. And they go ham with it in this show. I don't know if you picked up on it. If you have a rewatch of it, you might notice it now. Mm -hmm. But they fit that in to almost every scene where one character will say, I have a bad feeling about this. Yeah. It's usually mm-hmm. it's usually Anakin or Obi-Wan, but there are other characters that, that also say it. Yeah, because they also do it for the 2008 Clone Wars as well, where it's like randomly they'll be in the middle of like this life and death battle and they'll go, oh, I've got a bad feeling about this. And it's like, you're not in Tesco's <laughs> or, you know, you're not in the supermarket paying for your shopping and your card doesn't scan. It's like, you're literally about to die. <laughs> you should have more than a bad feeling. It's like, oh, just, I think it's because if we're watching it back to back, Kind of going off on a slight tangent here, but I remember during the lockdown I was watching, and I know this is heresy to bring up in a Star Wars uh, podcast or podcast episode, but I was watching Deep Space Nine, and Ah. in that, I know, I know, heresy, but (laughs) if you put your pitchforks down for just a minute, let me explain. So there's a character in that who's genetically engineered, and the Deep Space Nine is more it's got more of a continual story rather than being episodic like the previous series and as I was saying one character is revealed to be um, genetically altered which is a big taboo in the universe but in every single episode like see if you were watching this on TV you probably wouldn't pick up on it as much or be annoyed but because I was binging it and watching it episode after episode they would always draw attention to the fact that this character was genetically engineered and it would just be like through the most random things it would be like oh I'm going to drink another drink and it's like why because you're genetically engineered and it's kind of similar to that idea of you know the repeated catchphrase I've got a bad feeling about this like I think if we were watching it as kids we might notice it but we might think oh no maybe I'm just misremembering it but because we're watching it episode after episode it's like yeah (laughs) so yeah sorry that was a long way to say yeah i I agree with you that's very great (laughs) so yeah let's talk about the villains then because that is definitely a highlight of the well especially the first part yeah there's one villain that we have been kind of holding off talking about haven't we yes so the one i assume you're referring to general grievous that's the one yeah of course, yeah, the one, the only General Grievous, which is just, yeah. Do you want to explain, like, his introduction? Because I feel as if there's, like, amazing villains in this series. You've got, you know, as we said, you've got Asajj Ventress, who is this mysterious Jedi assassin. You've got Dirge, who is this, like, shape, well, not shape-shifting, but, like, this mutant, like, held together in this, like, suit of armour who's really cool and keeps regenerating and causes a lot of issues. You know, you've got Kent Dooku, of course. But I think one character that stands out amongst all of them is the introduction of General Grievous. So, sorry, I'll hand it over to you. So, 
the way they introduce him uh, is and it's it's so iconic. You, you'll be able to see the on 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 YouTube. It'll have probably have millions of views because it it it's one of the fandom's favorite scenes of of his introduction. Essentially, a group of Jedi, both um, Jedi Knights, Masters, and Padawan are holed up in this kind of bunker area uh, surrounded by droids and they're they're scared because of both they're surrounded by these droids and also they know of a threat outside we don't as the audience yet know what this threat is who this is uh what's going on but they're getting more and more scared and they can hear something and then a padawan who <laughs> looks a bit like uh shaggy from scooby-doo out of out of sheer sort of terror just runs out to try and escape or just like fight his way out and as soon as he runs out, General Grievous drops down and slams him to the ground, instantly kills him, and then and then sleuths away. It's almost like a xenomorph from the Alien franchise. Sleuths away, and everyone's terrified what's happening, and he jumps down, appears, fights off multiple Jedi, and jumps away and comes back and it's the, the you can tell you can tell you can see the fear in the in the Jedi there that are fighting him and are clearly losing. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just one of the most interesting scenes in in the entire Star Wars franchise. I think it's it's so well done. There's so little dialogue, and just everything is shown as in in in, in the cartoon in the animation. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's 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 absolutely fantastic. It's one of the final scenes of the uh, of the first season. Because I think the interesting thing was that was like the last part that you're left with. So basically, as you were saying, what happens is he drops down on that Jedi that looks like Shaggy from Scooby-Doo. But fun fact, apparently that is the Jedi's name, Shaggy or something like that. Like they no actually way. did. Yeah, no, they actually did call him that. That's um, funny. Like in the Star Wars spelling or whatever, but it is quite funny. But he like, because this is the interesting thing, like with a lot of the villains, as soon as they're confronted or they're confronting their prey, let's say, with Dirge and Obi-Wan, you know, they're fighting fist to fist with Count Dooku, he just like straight up electrocutes Asajj and then Asajj as soon as she comes face to face with Anakin they start fighting and everything and with this it's quite interesting because Grievous is very much like a predator he starts like he doesn't go straight in so to give you context of the scene they're like trapped in this ship and they're completely surrounded on the ground by all these battle droids there's no escape you could easily just say march in and kill them but he decides to toy with them he climbs up like the side of the ship you can hear like his footsteps you know crawling along the side and it's just it's it's really interesting and then as you said he just starts like killing off jedi and there's nothing really like it in the series or like really and you know like the films as a whole because as soon and this is another topic for another day but as soon as he's introduced in the future uh, series so like the 2008 version uh, Revenge of the Sith as well he's very much a moustache twirling villain he's not mm-hmm. really he kind of loses that that edge almost whereas in this he's just a straight up killer like he's jumping all over the place he's out manoeuvring I remember watching one analysis someone said that he's even faster than the force at one bit because um, Keanu Mundi who's one of the like Jedi masters of the council uses the force to try and stop him and he jumps out the way just before you know he can get hit and then he just he just toys Mm. with them really and just he strikes fear in them and it's just such a highlight and that iconic scene at the end where Keanu Mundi out of like what five 
five or six Jedi is the only one left. He's standing his ground. General Grievous like jumps in the air to slice him down. And then it's back to like Yoda musing, and then it cuts the credits, and it's like, no, what happens next? And it's I just know, such... it's, it's 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 such a like you really want to know what happens mm-hmm. next, and it, it it kind of plays with you in that way. Mm-hmm. So just before we finish, just one bit of um really interesting trivia. Apparently, when they created this version of Grievous, the creators decided because they were told, you know, generally, <laughs> generally for General Grievous that he was a uh, like a Jedi killer. So they created like this half, you know, half um, organic, half robot killing machine for Jedi. But then later on, George Lucas said that he wanted General Grievous to be more like, as I said, a moustache twirling villain to run away as soon as the bad got going and things. And it it just doesn't work um, later on. But that's a whole mm-hmm. other rant. But in the context of this, and it carries on to the second part, which is something we're going to talk about next time. But the character of Grievous as a whole just leaves such an impression, such a good cliffhanger. And yeah, just kind of the final note to an already strong start to this series. Yeah, for sure. It's a fantastic way to to end it. It leaves you on a cliffhanger and you're really excited for the next section. And yeah, we're going to talk about more about that in the next episode. Mm -hmm. And I can't wait to talk about that because it's got one of the best openings ever. (laughs) <laughs> and I think we both agreed that when we were re-watching it, thinking this has got such a good... Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's so good. Before we finish up, is there any final thoughts from your end? Uh, just that I, I re-recommend anyone who hasn't already watches it. And yeah, stay tuned for our next uh, episode where we talk about the second part of the, the show. And you're going to want to listen to that one. Oh, one more thing, sorry, that I just forgot to bring up earlier. Uh, I just wanted to check if you noticed this. So, as I was saying, you know the fight scene between Ventress and Anakin? You can talk about the sizzling lightsabers. Oh, the sizzling lightsabers as well. That is cool. Yeah, they've never done that since. Yeah, no. so just for context, they're standing in the rain and it starts raining and the rain starts bouncing off the lightsabers and sizzling, which might sound like a small thing, but it's really cool <laughs> and like sets yeah, off the atmosphere. Honestly, me saying this is so cool does not do justice. Go watch it. But uh, there's also another scene that's even the fighting in the temple. Just going back to what you were saying about Anakin's kind of descent into the dark side, where see when he's fighting in the temple, did you notice that he's lit up in blue? Obviously because of his lightsaber, and Asajj is um, lit up in red. That's very clever. But when they get to the top of the mountain, which... Or not the mountain, but the top of the temple, where there's a huge, like, red moon on top. Anakin... When Anakin, like, stops her from, like, chopping them, he, like, turns bright red because of, you know, the moon. But I don't, I don't know if that was intentional. Like, that was, like, a subtle always turning dark because he starts like just wailing on her like he just grabs a lightsaber uses his mechanical hand which i don't know if that's another jab at him turning into like an inhuman monster and then he just starts beating her when she's down until she like falls off i don't know i I just Mm -hmm. thought that was like a really neat touch a very subtle touch but sorry that was my last point i just had to (laughs) i just had to like end it on that because it's yeah such a good series if you haven't checked it out yeah go check it out yeah definitely and we look forward to talking about it more with you next time cannot wait for that one so yeah where can these lovely people who are listening to chat tsunami find you uh, green shield they can find me on both twitch and twitter at greenshield 95 i'm not i've been streaming so much lately but i can be found there and yeah follow me on both platforms yep definitely go check him out he's an amazing person i'm not just saying that because you're on the podcast <laughs> 
but no definitely go check him out he does amazing content and yeah if you want to follow me you can see me on twitter instagram youtube twitch and of course tiktok i don't know why i said of course tiktok but pretend that's the flow of it <laughs> under the name satsunami42 without any further ado thank you so much andrew for coming on today no problem at all i look forward to the next one cannot wait and until then stay safe stay awesome and most importantly stay hydrated bye guys bye everyone